whoa you went no contact with your family like you don't talk to them at all nope because they're toxic as fuck are you also the villain for walking away from your toxic family in order to preserve your peace welcome to the character outs podcast where i am on a mission to normalize going no contact with toxic family welcome all you terrible people let's talk about it Welcome back to the Character Outs podcast. My name is Terry, and I'm so happy that you're here. Today is a story episode, and if you're not familiar, it is when I read someone's story. Someone's story involving their journey with their toxic, narcissistic, abusive parent. Today's story is from a brave woman named Marie. Before we go any further, I need you to know that this story includes accounts of physical and sexual abuse that may be triggering to some of you. So when I receive someone's story and someone is brave enough to share their story with me, I just, first of all, it's an honor. It's an honor to be able to share someone's vulnerability. And I am deeply honored that Marie has chosen to share her story with me. So how it works, if you haven't listened to a story episode, is this... They have written me a letter telling me in their story. And Marie has written me a letter. She's actually written me two letters, which I'm going to read. One details her background, which she felt was pertinent to her story. And the second letter goes into detail about her story. So let's get started. My mother is Korean. She was small in stature. Everyone thought she was cute and probably harmless. She obviously revered my brother as her son and the only male child, but it was really harmful to him. He was allowed to do whatever he wanted, and my parents constantly protected him by hiring multitudes of lawyers to get him out of serious trouble, and even lying to get him out of legal entanglements. They spent over $350,000 to rehab him multitudes of times. Yet when I asked to see a therapist because I was really having a hard time, go figure, they said they couldn't afford it. My mother told him what kind of woman he would marry and what race she could be. Hence, he never married and just lived with and off my parents. He became and is a true narcissist. For me, any dreams I had for my future were constantly shot down, unless I became a lawyer or a doctor. I hated my legal career, to be honest. I'm so grateful I went no contact. It's the only way I could have survived this life. My mother has tried to contact my daughters through their work emails and went and spoke with our pastor to seek reconciliation, which of course is no. Well, hell no. I didn't say that to our pastor, lol. He told me after hearing my story, he was sorry and he would never bring it up again. I don't know and never asked what he told my mom. I told him I found it curious that my mom contacted him because I know through sources that people at my mother's church don't even know she has children. Part two. Where to begin? I just celebrated my 60th birthday and had a lot of self-reflection on things I hadn't really thought about for a long time. I am, this month, 17 years no contact with my, quote, initial family, parents, and one only brother. I grew up in a relatively small town, in a kind of privileged life, I later find out. Others envied, but they didn't know the reality. My father was a very well-known and respected physician. My mother, a stay-at-home mom, but forever doing church work, volunteer work, charity work. 
We lived in a million dollar home and lived a million dollar life. But my actual real life was a violent living hell made complete with physical beatings and emotional and psychological abuse, something my mother warned me again and again never to share with the outside world. My first remembrance of abuse, although there could have been earlier ones, are when I was about two years old. I had stayed home sick from preschool and my mother had braided my long hair and looped them up into curled pigtails. To me, my little baby self, they looked like puppy ears. I remember crawling around on all fours barking, and then I put some snacks on our marble floor to eat them off the floor, like a doggy, of course. My mother ran over and started slamming my head into the ground, screaming. If I wanted to behave like an animal, then she'd treat me like one. I remember stars in my head from the slamming and standing up, screaming, crying in a lost, crackly voice because I had a sore throat. I don't think I knew what the hell was going on. I mean, what the hell was that all about? That memory stayed with me, I think because it was my first real remembrance of abuse. And I later saw my mother do that many times with her small dogs, slamming their heads into the floor when they peed in the house. They'd scream and whimper, and it was triggering for me. After that beating incident, my mother carried on with more beatings that graduated to hitting me with slaps, wooden spoons, purses, high heel shoes, whatever she could grab to beat me down. And of course her favorite, slamming my head onto the floor. And like a good scapegoat, I never fought back. The one time I could finally feel myself breaking was when I was about 17 and started screaming hysterically for my mother to stop it. My father, normally watching, listening, seeing the abuse from afar, but in front of his perpetual television shows, ran up to me, slapped me across the face. My father was 100% the enabler of the family and all of its badness. I mean, he was a medical doctor. Couldn't he tell my mom had something wrong with her? He even told my husband, quote, yeah, you know all that stuff you heard about our family. Well, none of that ever happened, end quote. Gaslighting at its best, except unbeknownst to him, my husband experienced it firsthand. I endured all of this crap, even told friends about it, but I don't think anyone knew how bad it was. One time our next door neighbor, whose mother was a nurse, saw my mother come over to her house, swing her fists about my face, and drag me by my hair and shirt. My friends screamed, stop it! And my friend's mother, who should have reported this, later called my mother to tell her never to do that again. But of course she did. My mother would do all of these beatings at the drop of a hat, taking the meaning of, quote, walking on eggshells, end quote, to a new high. Her words also cut like a knife, telling me I was worthless, stupid, a mistake, her never wanting to have me. And even though those words came without the physical punch, it was just like she was pummeling me with her fists. I endured some sexual abuse at the hands of two part-time live-in uncles, her brothers. But when she found out about it, she beat me. She called me a sick, fucked-up person. I was 12. Where was the protection? Where was kicking those MFers out of our lives? 
These terrible days went on and on. My father sitting there, going to work, coming home, parking himself in front of the television, and my mother on her tirades again and again. She would beat on my father in front of us. I have a younger brother. Story later. And my mother would yell, I want them to see. My mother would embarrass me over and over in front of family and friends and anyone who would just laugh and smile at her charming ways. She would do things like not come to my high school graduation because of something that made her mad. Make every one of my special days, my 16th birthday, my 21st birthday, etc., miserable and about her. I really have bad memories about those supposed to be special times. Like I've learned happens, I became codependent and a total empath, believing I was the problem, taking in all the crazy, thinking, why couldn't I just be good? And this craziness would stop. The physical and emotional beatings went on and on until I was about 25. My then husband heard her screaming at me and ran to find her holding a pipe like she was going to swing at me. He grabbed her arm and told her never ever to do anything like that again, saying, quote, yeah, I know all about you, unquote. Yay, husband. So the physical altercations stopped, but the emotional abuse endured until the day we stopped speaking. My husband had a professional sports job that kept him out of state for months on end. And during those times, and I don't know why, I allowed my mother to provide the childcare. I think I wanted my girls to have the grandparent memories I had. I absolutely cherished and loved my grandparents. Their existence in my life is probably why I didn't go completely insane. It was only for a few hours a day, four days a week, but boy did she bitch about what a hassle it was in front of my girls. She finally complained so meanly about it, it made my youngest cry. I told her I'd no longer have her watch the kids. Eventually, holidays started to be so weird. She'd invite all these random people, church people, other people, to our family dinners, and we'd have to wait and wait for these others to arrive. Food cold, my littles wondering when we were going to go home. Not celebratory at all. I'd try to smile and have a happy time, but it was complete misery. I eventually heard from my brother that she was spanking my oldest daughter and locking her in the laundry room. You see, because of my abusive childhood, I have never and don't believe in spanking as a means of discipline. And my mother really had no right to touch my children in that way ever. And not that way at all. I think that was the beginning of the end for our relationships. It finally culminated after years and years and 43 years of this abuse that I was on the phone with her. She wanted me to do something. I wouldn't do it for her. And she screamed, quote, I don't have a daughter anymore, end quote. And I yelled back at her for the first time, quote, God damn it, I'm done, end quote, and hung up. And that was that. 43 years over in a hang-up phone call. It seemed like from the outside, my life was great. I was the, quote, good kid, while my brother was the, quote, trouble. I went to college and earned two degrees from a very prestigious university. I got a prestigious job. I ended up in law school and practiced law successfully for 26 years. 
Although I must mention, neither my college choice nor my career path was my own. My parents wanted that for me. I think so they could beat on me at home and brag to the outside world about how successful I was. I married an amazing man. I have two incredible, loving, funny, kind, and giving daughters, and they have made great life choices for their husbands. I now have a grandson, and he is the light of my life. But you see, this narcissistic abuse continued right up until I was 43. That's a long time and way past its expiration date for all those life things to have kept happening. And like I said, I do have a sibling, a younger brother. My father told me when I was 12 that everything my parents owned was going to my brother because he was the quote, boy. I don't think I understood at the time what he was saying. I mean, what? He also told me that he'd quote, get me if I ever made my mother leave him. Yeah, toxic. I remember calling out to my brother to help me when my mom was beating on me. I remember hearing his footsteps outside my door and walking away. I think that's when I realized that this family was going to kill me. Real or figuratively, these people were going to let me die. I really tried to support my brother, even though he had been in and out of some kind of incarceration since he took one of our cars when he was in sixth grade and crashed into a stop sign in the middle of the night. After all, I thought, growing up in a home like ours, how could he not be like he was? Again, me being the empath. He was constantly crashing our cars, arrests for drinking and driving, gambling and drug problems. He stole my jewelry and my money and my wedding ring. He vandalized our cars and personal property, but yet honored and revered by my parents. He even convinced my father to ask me to take the blame for one of his car accidents so he wouldn't get in trouble. And you know what? I did it. I look back at that moment and wonder again, what the hell? He never married or ever had a long-time successful relationship, but continues to live with my mother and without a continuing job. I hear about him from time to time, again, small town. But he is still living there, probably caretaking her now that my father passed four years ago. I once complained that I didn't want him doing drugs around our small girls, and my mother said, quote, as long as he's doing it here at home, it's fine, end quote. I would set up times for him to hang out with our girls at the house, and he'd never show. So lame. After the hang-up on my mother, my brother left me a long, rancid voicemail about, quote, putting this shit behind us, end quote, and has tried to reach out to the girls, but they said if they ever saw him, they'd tell him to, quote, fuck off, end quote. So that's that, and I'm relieved because I can't really tell them what to do as they're adults now. My youngest got a call from my mom telling her, quote, if you don't come over, you'll never hear from me again, unquote. She was a junior in high school at the time. How was she supposed to get over there? Purely abusive. My eldest graduated from high school and left tickets for my parents. They never showed because they wanted her to deliver the tickets to them. They are really terrible humans. 
After that initial no contact decision came the holidays that were just the four of us and the long four to five years of hard therapy and depression and even some suicidal ideation that I went through because I realized I could never be around my parents or my brother again. Lots of therapy and therapists. My first therapist told me because my mother was Korean, my childhood must have been, quote, difficult, which seemed to normalize the abuse. Needless to say, I sought help from a different therapist. It was so hard. And it was as if my whole family, no matter how terrible they were, had died. Terrible things happened. Serious medical things for my children and both daughters have been survivors of mass shootings, one of them at the Las Vegas shooting. I couldn't call my mother, but by then I didn't want her to know anything about us. Eventually, we started to discover friends who really have become our chosen family. And we have my husband's family, aunts, uncles, cousins, who were and continue to be that amazing family village we need in our lives. Our family get-togethers and holidays and parties were getting into a good pattern. We knew who would always show up for us, and life settled for a time. When my father was dying, I had three visitors come to the house to try to get us to visit. Plus, caught my mom sitting in her car in front of my house, but I never spoke to any of them. My husband took the responsibility and told them all I'd get the messages. I had no feelings about it. My dad had already died as far as we were concerned, and I had long since moved on. Nothing came of it. None of us felt the desire to attend his memorial services. It was just so over. You also learn who your people are really fast. Someone said after he passed, quote, but he's still your father, end quote, not my person. Another person said, quote, I'm so sorry your parents haven't been there for you, end quote, my person for life. I was actually really okay and didn't even give this part of my life a second thought until my first daughter got married about five years ago. So at the wedding showers, engagement parties, the wedding itself, super noticeable that not one member of my family or extended family was invited or there. No grandparents being walked down the aisle. Only my husband and I in the front row of seats reserved for immediate family. Strange. And noticeable. And a little sad. But I kept smiling and putting on that celebratory happiness just like I had at all the girls' parties and graduations and scholarship dinners in the past. When I went no contact with my parents, I really did lose a whole family. Everyone connected to them and anyone friends with them. Unfortunately, people really do take sides. And like a lot of no contact people, we don't just talk about it with most. So it's just really noticeable when people don't know the story. But you know what? We were able to fill the tables with those friends I keep talking about, our chosen family. And my husband's family's tables were filled. And my son-in-law's family was so kind and giving and didn't ask about it at all. When my daughter and I had a quiet moment, she said, quote, you know, I really had a very great wedding, end quote. That made me tear up. She also told me that my mother had been crazy with her as well, things she had never told me. And when I asked her why she never told me, she said she thought it was normal. I get it. I thought that way too when I was a child in that crazy-making place. Then, recently, 
We had to do it all over again for my youngest daughter. Showers, parties, wedding, none of my family. And again, friends and family filled the chairs and tables and were so loving. So I did have one of my husband's cousins ask, first time ever, quote, this is the second wedding I've been to for your girls. I noticed your parents aren't ever here. Are they still alive? And I just said, quote, I don't have relationships with them, end quote. To which she replied, quote, oh, I'm so sorry, end quote. It was weird for me, I've got to admit. Mostly I felt bad for the girls, but once I asked them about it, they were really at peace with the whole thing and didn't give it a second thought. They were happy and that's all that mattered. So I'm here now. I'm checked into all the podcasts and do a lot of the reading to give myself a little tune-up every now and then. My daughter getting married a year ago put me back at those guilty feelings again that I screwed up my family. Then I have to get myself right again and realize I'm saving my family for the better. I was mentioning that after my father died, I kept thinking about my mother doing all those things all by herself and started to feel bad. But then I had to snap myself back into reality and figure out she is doing exactly what she wants and bringing her back into our lives would just invite the horrible chaos all over again, something I am never going to want to do. And I also learned that I can never allow someone like that back into my life and the lives of my family. I think it's true that you can't ever really quote, unknow something. I will always know what really happened. And even though the triggers and pain from those experiences lessen with time, it can still come up every now and then. Although, like I said, lessened. I just have never, ever wanted my daughters to find themselves in the place I was at 43 years of age, weeping in front of my therapists and dealing with the pain from a really torturous life like I had to do. I really sat with my feelings and thought about what it would look like to have all of that back again and those pictures in my thoughts and memories of chaotic, terrible, painful, mind-wrenching times say no, never. I really do love my children unconditionally and have worked so hard to heal myself and I really do feel okay most of the time. So I break the pattern and I'm ready to carry this burden so they won't ever have to. And I just keep moving forward, always. I don't know about you, but that was a lot. And again, Marie, thank you for sharing. And I know that your story has resonated with someone out there on this podcast who is listening. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for speaking your truth. And I am so proud of you for breaking toxic generational cycles. And I'm so sorry that you had to endure what you did. You didn't deserve it. You deserved better. And the fact that you have healthy relationships with your children, you recognized the instability and the toxicity is commendable. Thank you for sharing. If you would like to share your story with me, please email me at characteroutspodcast at gmail.com and we can connect. Cheers until next time, friend. 